And it is Bruce Claggett in for Jazz Joe Hall. And our premier, along with two of his cabinet ministers, David Eby, took uh, Bruce Ralston, the force minister, and emergency minister, emergency management minister, Bowen Ma, on a field trip to some of the forest fire devastation areas to earlier today, getting a first-hand look in some of the context behind the stories that we've been hearing about with a fire that ravaged many areas like Ground Zero, West Kelowna on Thursday night and continued to be a problem right through the weekend. Things today are a little bit better in some of the areas, especially around West Kelowna. And that allows some of the evacuees to get a handle on just how bad the damage is and which homes or buildings in the areas have been badly damaged or even destroyed. Earlier today, Jason Broland, the fire chief in West Kelowna, had a chance to update us a little bit. I mentioned that I felt as though our evacuation uh, was orderly, but that I desperately hoped that everyone made it out. And today, to the best of our knowledge, using the best techniques that we have at our disposal, um, I can share that news today. Okay, and Premier David Eby is expected to provide a bit of an update to reporters this hour. It's unknown if that's going to happen or not, because schedules always change, especially when there are flight plans involved. And he is taking a helicopter tour of the area. But with all these updates comes a language of its own. And some of these wildfire terms uh, are a little bit difficult for the average Canadian to really understand. And understanding some of the challenge here is UBC's Department of Forests and Conservation Sciences and people like our next guest, who is Dr. Kelsey Copes-Gerbitz, a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of British Columbia. She joins us now. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. You know, it is almost a language of its own. I've been covering forest fires for three decades now as a journalist, and I don't know all the terms. Uh, When did your department kind of figure this as being a bit of a challenge? Yeah, that's a great question. And certainly, I think something that we can all relate to, Um, you know, it's with any type of emergency or disaster, there's always language that gets used by officials that's really important part of the way that they communicate. Um, But our group took a particular interest in helping the public understand um, some of those terms a little bit better, because it's, it's really important that the public understand, you know, what the officials are talking about, too. I think so, and especially when it comes to a developing fire and for people to know what sort of actions to take. So maybe that's a good place to start. Why don't we talk about uh, some of the evacuation orders, alerts, and some of the dangers around there? What are terms that we really should know? Yeah, definitely. So evacuation alert and order are two different things. Uh, An evacuation alert is really to warn you to get prepared. Get your to-go bags ready, uh, get uh, copies of any important documents, um, maybe pack your car with essentials for yourself and your family, should you have to leave at a moment's notice. An evacuation order is a notice, an official notice, um, to actually leave your home or leave the area that you're in. And so those are slightly different. An alert is about being prepared. 
and an order is it's time to go. Yeah, the order is get out. The alert, uh, I guess, is be prepared to get out. Mm-hmm. And and noting that, though, that, you know, it's really important to be prepared long before an evacuation alert is ever issued. I think that's part of the responsibility of, of all British Columbians is to be prepared well in advance of a fire in your area, because that will make a situation like a real wildfire and um, having an evacuation alert, you know, much less scary. We've heard and uh share many of the status updates on social media and they've got a whole bunch of uh, wildfire status uh, language that is its own sort of language like out of control and being held and under control let's go through some of those because uh you know i think that's where people start to try to gauge just how bad a situation is with a fire that's already underway so the worst of it i guess is the out of control what do we mean by that yeah so an out of control wildfire um, is one that is either very new um, and they haven't put suppression resources on it for example or a fire that is not responding to uh, current fire suppression efforts so the status of a, a wildfire can certainly change, but out of control is often um, the very first um, status that a wildfire will receive. And if it is very difficult to control or um, needs more resources, then it will continue to be called out of control. Then if you want to de-escalate concern, I guess there are two other terms, and there must be a difference in priority behind the term one being held and the term two, under control. Those ones are the ones that get me. What is the difference between the two of those? Yeah, so being held is um, certainly a measure of kind of saying, okay, we've established these pre-identified boundaries beyond which this fire probably won't burn. So that doesn't necessarily mean that the fire isn't going to spread anymore. It's just that it's not going to spread beyond those predetermined boundaries. And those boundaries are predetermined based on, uh, you know, potential risks, uh, changes in risk to values or property, things like that. So we're holding it in kind of imagine a, a line on a map. We're holding it in this specific area. If we move to um, the, the next one down that you mentioned, under control, that really means it's not going to spread any further. There's going to be no further growth. We are confident in, in um, it not being spread, and the suppression efforts have been successful. By the way, I think by the time we get to the next one, extinguished or out, it is hardly ever a news story, and you don't hear that one all that much. No, you certainly don't. Um, and I think it's it's really interesting if, you know, there's always so many fires that are, are dominating our attention that are wildfires of note or those that are out of control. But um, what's really um, impressive and, and a testament to the hard work that firefighters do is all of those fires that have already been put out. We're talking with Dr. Kelsey Cobes gerbitz a postdoctoral research fellow at UBC, working with the Department of Forest and Conservation Sciences there. And Kelsey, if I was to take a look at the language on the whole, do you think we're doing an okay job in communication? Or do you see any sort of terminology that needs to be adjusted so we have a better understanding when we communicate? I think it's, 
you know, it's really, um, it's such a complex, wildfire itself is such a complex topic. And I think most of us get exposed to thinking about wildfire uh, when it's a wildfire season, when we're seeing fires in the news or fires being suppressed. But there's a whole set of language that also comes around um, managing wildfires, trying to prevent them ahead of time, trying to be prepared for them. Um, And so those are some of the areas that maybe we don't hear the language um, often enough. And so things like prevention are really those measures that we take to limit um, any more fire starts. You might see things like um, backcountry bans so that we don't start more fires accidentally. Um, You might see things like um, fuels treatments, which is altering um, forest fuels reducing uh, the load of fuel so that fires are less likely to burn in extreme cases. Um, On the other hand, preparedness is also a really important part of this. And preparedness is what you as an individual can do. Like I mentioned, having that to-go bag, having an evacuation plan for your family. At the community level, it's about what is your community wildfire um, management plan? Where might you be doing those fuels treatments? Where might you be establishing safe evacuation areas? Um, So those prevention and preparedness pieces are also a really important part of this conversation. Our guest has been and continues to be Dr. Kelsey Cobes-Gerbitz, a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of British Columbia, working with those in the Department of Forest and Conservation Sciences. We've been talking about some of the language that is used when we start to hold news conferences or else send out social media advisories Uh, for people that may be the subject of alerts or evacuations. Kelsey, thanks so much for being with us still. We heard from the Premier, by the way, one of the terms that we heard a little bit last week is this idea of a crown fire. Very few people understand exactly what that means, but what are we talking about there? Yeah, so a crown fire is a term that's used to describe where the fire is actually burning. Um, If you think about a forest, you have the crowns at the very tops of the trees. And so essentially a crown fire is a fire that's spread up into the tops of the trees, and it can often move from tree crown to tree crown. That contrasts um, a fire that is considered a surface fire. So a surface fire would be a fire that's moving closer to the ground and has not necessarily moved up into the tree crowns. So we use those two terms to describe kind of where the fire is actually occurring within the forest structure. Um, But we can also kind of associate um, the severity of that fire with those terms. So severity is a measure of um, the above ground biomass loss. So how, how much is actually being burned. So a surface fire is going to be less likely to um, maybe kill old, big old trees and it'll you know stay in the, in the shrubby layer, in the ground layer, the surface layer. Absolutely. A crown fire, yeah, crown fire is often um, moving much faster and um, killing more, many more trees in the process. And that's the reason why we're so concerned when we hear that term, even if we mm-hmm. didn't understand it. After this summer, which has been a brutal summer in the forests uh, in our province, I would imagine that there is area for even more research. If you were to take a look at one area quickly where you think that we've got to do a little bit more research, what would that one area be? 
That's a really great question. And I think um, we're really coming to understand how complex these wildfire situations are and the really unique ways that different communities experience wildfires um, and interact with them. And so I think a, a really kind of important and promising area of research is understanding the, the wide diversity of communities that exist across BC, what they think needs to be done about wildfire, and how different levels of government um, from you know municipal or First Nation government um, to provincial government and regional, how different sectors can support communities to be more resilient to wildfires before they ever even start. Well, thank you so much for your research efforts and best of luck, uh, you know, for the coming year as uh, you look at uh, having more grad students, I guess, around. Kelsey, thank you. Thanks so much for having me.